Hello and welcome to Monocle on Culture. I'm Robert Bounds. On today's show, we're taking you into South East London. And our tour guides are Yaz and Dom, the protagonist of the new film, Rye Lane. The movie is the directorial debut of Rain Alan Miller, and it's a romantic comedy in which Yas, played by Vivian Apara, and Dom, played by David Johnson, spend a day getting to know each other as they roam through the streets of Peckham and Brixton. Both are still wading through the murky depths of their own post-breakup malaise. They lean on one another to find closure and to see if they can pull each other out of their messes and perhaps towards something new. Underpinned by a soundtrack that encompasses the richness of South London's music scene and its myriad influences, Rye Lane is a triumphant return for the classic rom-com, a genre noticeably absent from our screens in recent years. But as well as the relationship blooming between Yaz and Dom, Rye Lane is undoubtedly a technicolour love letter to Peckham itself. Let's get a flavour of the film first. In this clip, the pair stroll through a market as Yaz tries to find out more about Dom. So what do you do now? You've escaped the clutches of the colonel? Like, with your post-KFC life? Oh, I'm an accountant. Boring! Okay. No free popcorn chicken, but still, that's like a proper job. <laughs> yeah, it's not particularly glamorous. No. I actually kind of love it. So is that what you've always wanted to do? Have you got yourself some thwarted ambition burning away in your gut? You know you're very... Peng? Refreshingly disarming. You ask a lot of questions. I'm interested in people's messes. What makes you think I've got a mess? Everyone has a mess. On today's programme, we'll be speaking with the film's two writers and getting a critical take on it from the film journalist Rogan Graham. First up, I spoke with the film journalist Rogan Graham to hear her thoughts on Rye Lane. Rogan, lovely to have you on the programme. And we just warmed up and we say to people, how did you get here today? What did you have for breakfast? And you told us that you got the overground from Broccoli and changed at Canada Water. So you're in the kind of world of Peckham Ryan, of Rye Lane. I am indeed. Um, my dad actually lived in Peckham when I was growing up, between Broccoli and Peckham. OK, and then, so yeah. you're, in the, you're in the catchment area. I am. I'm a South East Londoner, <laughs> born and raised, yeah. Nice. I'm vaguely in that neck of the woods as well. And um, we talk, We sort of joke about catchment area. It doesn't require one. I mean, I love this movie. Mm. And you've written a wonderful piece for Little White Lies that might or may not be out by the time uh, this radio show goes out. But people, we can point people in the direction of the print magazine. Can't yeah, we? absolutely. Once I submit, it's out of my hands. But it will be out soon. And it's a beautiful magazine, as it always is. Yeah, yeah. it's great stuff. And for which you went for a walk around Peckham and some of the other locations with the the first time director, Rain Allen Miller, which makes for a, a lovely story. What I wanted to ask you, first of all, was how believable the romance is between Yas and Dom. It seems slightly unwritten to me, this. It feels like it was just written in the stars. But yeah, how did you respond to that, the believability? I found it really believable. Speaking as a twenty-something, the only relationships—the no, <laughs> only relationships I know that really work out are, you know, through friends of friends, and 
through kind of your creative friends meeting your accountant friends and so <laughs> um, and something sparking there but I mean it is very written in the stars it's a rom-com at the end of the day they have their wonderful meet cue of Dom crying in a bathroom stall yeah so you've mentioned there I mean it is a sort of pretty classic rom-com isn't it Rogan what sort of genre land are we in here are we in the before sunrise world are we dare I say it in the kind of Richard Curtis world where are we in rom-com land I'm going to say we're more before sunrise than we are Richard Curtis. But it's also very much its own thing. I think when you think about, say, rom-coms specifically with black leads, you kind of look to America because, you know, Bryn, we are very behind on a lot of things. You know, race in film being a big one of those. So it's really interesting where it draws its influences from because while it's breaking ground in its own way, you do see the before sunrise, you do see the kind of more traditional 90s American rom-com plots in there too. And yeah, I think it's it's really interesting the way that it can be so invigorating while still really classic. And it's got that thing which, I th- and, and, I, and I know exactly what you mean about that, Amer- sort of coming from the American school of, of rom-coms, where both the man and the woman are equally wisecracking, right? Mm-hmm. There's not the kind of, the, the, bu- the sort of bufferish, perhaps English lead, white male actor yeah. kind of being the clever guy and having to put up with her then the female lead having to put up with him we're not in that world with this are we not at all they're both super different characters but hold their own and i think that's that's really great as well another thing i really love about this film and it was it didn't really dawn on me until a friend brought it up she said a lot of recent rom-coms they kind of are about something bigger than the rom-com they, they have to make some kind of statement on something and there's usually a bit of toxicity in the romance and it's like this kind of messaging yeah message movies kind of disguised as rom-coms and she's like no this is a straightforward rom-com you know they have their mess but there's no you know maliciousness you know there's no nothing that someone has to put up with and you're kind of left going should she really have forgiven him for that <laughs> yeah. you know is that is this do we need a helpline? It's just... Um, <laughs> Do we very, need a warning? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Is this going to be discourse? It's like, no, it's just two young people sort of being humiliated by love and young <laughs> adulthood and growing in that together, and I think that's really beautiful. So you can keep your 20-somethingness, right? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and it is, and I suppose that plays into its believability as well, that it's that these characters are riffing on each other, they're slowly falling in love during this before-sunrise-ish kind of time period, I suppose, that they're, they're, they're spending together, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of mostly, a, it's a kind of day and a night, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. So it works in that, I guess you need a sort of a little bit bit of a, I won't call it a trick, but a plot device, I suppose, or a time frame to kind of squash these people together. Sure. Comfortably or uncomfortably, I suppose. This is such a, this is obviously like most most rom-coms, but especially this one. There are a cast of characters that swirl around them, but very much in their orbit. There's a brilliant ex-girlfriend and new boyfriend and a contemporary artist who's a bit of an arse as well, which is yeah. absolutely brilliant. <laughs> but the main central performance is Yas and Dom, played by Vivian Apara and David uh, Johnson. Tell us about their story, because, I mean, they are phenomenal together, aren't they? I mean, you know, in terms of the casting, I mean, what have they done before? Where have they come from? So David Johnson, I'm a big industry fan. The uh, BBC show, I think now kind of HBO-ish. I'm not too sure what mm. goes on there, but it, it's this great I'm show. Not sure what goes <laughs> on there. Yeah, don't ask me about the logistics, but he's um, he's really wonderful in that, as starts off as, like, a young banker, you know, Oxbridge grad, and then his story really takes a turn. But he's he's wonderful in that, and he's playing Dom, complete opposite, not 
a city boy at all. Just a very sweet young guy who lives at home with his mum who makes him boiled eggs. <laughs> and, and yeah, and it was just really nice to see him. Maybe it's too early in his career to even say play against type, but just to see him branch out in a rom-com because I wouldn't necessarily watch industry and think that's what he should be doing but he's wonderful he's very believable very as someone that someone like yes would fall in love with absolutely yeah and he's he's, he's brilliant and so he's an acrobat yeah. in terms of his acting career and what about vivian apara because she zings in this yeah she's incredible i was really lucky to spend a bit of time with her as well and i, I profiled her for id you know she was super brainy at school but hated it going to ucl to do neuroscience deferred it and then, like, got an acting job within her kind of year off. You know, she started in this Doctor Who spin-off, and then she went on to do some theatre. And when I was speaking to her, she said, you know, she felt a little bit like an imposter because she hadn't necessarily had, you know, classical training in the way that a lot of actors had, or it hadn't been her life dream to be an actor. She just knew she had to do something creative that wasn't neuroscience at, at UCL. So she, you know, really explored music, and she produces her own music, and then she's sort of come back to acting with Rylane. And I think you can really see that self-assuredness that, you know, someone who's kind of gone away, sharpened their tools and, and come back. And she's really wonderful. And I think she's going to, like, be a megastar. I think she's just great. You can't not fall in love with her. She's so charming. Neuroscience's loss is cinema's gain. Yeah, absolutely. Hogan. What about Peckham as well? Because this is obviously the third character mm. in the film. Um, how many versions of Peckham are there in the film? Because it's real, it's not manicured, it's not Notting Hillified, as Richard Curtis's yeah. Notting Hill was, or, you know, airbrushed, as it were. So what kind of version of Peckham is it as a kind of, as a local, and saying you, 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 your dad grew up there? Do you know, it's really interesting because I was talking about this with a friend and, and I think it's like it's Peckham when you're having a really good day with a really great person. <laughs> it's got a lot of sunshine in yeah, it. Yeah, it does have a, it does have a lot of sunshine in it, which just isn't common for London, especially today. But yeah, no, I I don't know. I found that there was the Guardian piece, which I I don't I wasn't a fan of, really. Um, but it was it is interesting to kind of think about, I suppose, with black storytelling or stories from you know about black working class areas generally when they're shown positively in the light of a rom-com does that mean you're uh, being dishonest about where they are and I think well no when you grow up somewhere there are beautiful sunny days with great people and they're you know the opposite of that yeah. and I think we're watching a film about a day in the life of two people falling in love and so everything is seen through those rose-tinted glasses and I think that's is really lovely and I think the locations rain chose to include in the movie their their real landmarks of the area. Peckham's been gentrified pretty rapidly for the past ten, fifteen years, but she doesn't really include those areas. You you you're at the Italian restaurant that's been there for like near forty years. Yeah, I didn't realise it had been there for so, so long. long. Such yeah. a yeah, yeah. Or, or Peckhamplex, which, you know, has been around God knows how long as well. Mm. And I think that those choices are intentional. Yeah. It's an interesting thing that you say there about when, you know, telling black storytelling and having it in a predominantly black area as well, historically mm. as well, and what that does to notions of beauty, if you're a critic writing about a movie like this. And that's a, that's a really interesting thing, actually. So so you feel that there are there's a sort of sliding scale of that, because I thought this was... Because also there is a, an unabashed colour to this. You know, it's the clothes they wear, the, the venues they go to, everything is super saturated. It's like a super saturated fashion shoot, a mm. lot of it, isn't it? Yeah. And I thought that was just 
kind of a good news story actually about you know what I mean it was yeah. kind of like these you dream in color when you're falling in love right everything yeah, feels like hyper hyper color so it's an interesting thing but what about that that idea of there's sort of grit in it but you walk past Morley's rappers uh, and Morley's comes into it in more ways than one this yeah. film on the streets and stuff but it's not kind of poverty porn or it's not kind of you know what I mean it's it's yeah. just there because it's part of the neighborhood well yeah exactly when you when you live somewhere I mean there are different things I have you know cousins from Ireland and like when they come to London and see foxes <laughs> it's like what uh, do they bring catapults yeah no they do not <laughs> no they don't but do you know what I mean it's like there are things that are just normal and I think you only when you have a certain perception of a place perhaps a negative one and someone who lives there and has lived there and they don't pick up on those negative things it's like well it, there's natural day-to-day life and this isn't something that's exceptional and I think the idea that you think I should highlight it that's you know maybe we should question that more so than why I just you know didn't yeah <laughs> Rogan thank you so much for your local vibe <laughs> and your expertise on uh, Peck and Rye thank you very much indeed thank you very much for having me Now, Rye Lane captures the meandering, sometimes stilted, often exhilarating conversations of getting to know someone. I was delighted to be joined in the studio by its two writers, Nathan Bryan and Tom Mellier, fresh from a celebratory lunch. Luckily for us, they embodied the sometimes antic, always warm energy of Rye Lane. Nathan and Tom, welcome to the programme. Lovely to have you here. Congratulations on the wonderful Rye Lane. Oh, thank, thank you, so, you much. so much. What a technicolour, what a kind of technicolour dream ride it is. And a very believable romance. Excellent. And a lovely picture of Peckham itself. So first things first, it, this is a, also kind of a buddy movie that turns into a romance. Not giving any spoilers away, but that mm-hmm. kind of feels a bit like, a bit like what it is. Yeah. What about you guys? Have you got a have you got a kind of buddy movie dynamic? Because you came in here a, a, a dose of salts. Yes, been very nice already. We're going to just switch the <laughs> microphones on. Yeah. So tell us about the dynamic. Tell us about your working relationship and your partnership. I think that we do have a buddy romance relationship when we write. I'm fascinated by what your answer is going to be. Go. <laughs> no, I think you know. I think we definitely bounce off each other. And when it comes to Rylane, you know, when you're writing characters, you find yourself in these characters. You yeah. know, so uh, we often say, you know, I'm a bit more of a Yaz in the sort of when we're writing. And Tom, would you say you're a bit of a Dom? Yeah, I think we're. we're I <laughs> yeah, think he's like, he's how dare you? Wow. <laughs> Never thought that you thought that of me. No, <laughs> no, I think you're right, and we balance each other out in a way that they balance each other out in the film. I think. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, that's very true. But we we actually met when I was making a pilot, and we cast Nathan in that pilot. Okay. Yes. And the series never happened. But what we gained out of that experience is this relationship. So we um, we ended up on rap night. We ended up in KFC at 3 a.m. in the morning. Nice. Spouting uh, our uh, newfound love for each other and yes. saying that we should work with each other. Uh, and then when we sobered up, we started to have... <laughs> it became we, embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we sobered up, we ghosted each other. No, we didn't. Yeah. We, we decided that this is what we wanted to do. Yeah. And now we're here. Yeah, man. I think when we write, we're very positive folks. So, yeah. like, I think... 
always when the film was, you know, as we were going and through the draft process, there's a lot of drafts. Like, we still <laughs> remain positive. And I think the joy at the end is, a, you know, it's a culmination of everybody who works on the movie is very joyful. So I think hopefully that comes across. It does. It definitely comes across. It's got a very kind of, it's got a great warmth to it. That kind of, like, you know, that really hits, that has really hit your audiences. And I wanted to ask you about that, about the draft process. I, I know. Don't raise your... Don't, don't. I inhaled Don't as roll you your eyeballs. I was like, uh-oh. But, because it's a tough one. I mean, everyone, everyone's got, everyone knows that kind of like, you're writing on something and it's version 99 or oh. something. But it felt like, to me, in a very good way, and very unwritten film. Mm. You don't want to hear that because you've written it, you've poured over it and you've laboured over it. Blood, sweat and tears have gone into Rylane from you two guys. But it seems like exceptionally natural. You've got two great performers doing mm-hmm. your work. But tell us a bit about that. About I, I mean, I hope you agree with me. Maybe you don't. But no. whether that is a mark of quality for a, for a, for a yeah. rom com, particularly. Maybe. I think that's a huge compliment. So thank you very much. You can say it again because <laughs> you, you you want your writing to roll off the tongue. You want yeah. your writing to feel unlabored. You want the audience to listen and feel like Tom and I haven't been like, oh my god, how do we put this sentence together? You, it's important. So I, I, thank you very much. <laughs> no, I agree. We we are dialogue guys. Like we yeah. often got told through this process, maybe less work please um and i also think there is a there's like a happy marriage where we got the right actors for Mm -hmm. this and they make our words sound good but we certainly set out to make it feel like these are two people speaking naturally meeting for the first time doing that thing in that you do in conversations where you try and curate yourself a little bit yeah and it took a lot to get to that point to get to the point where you gave us that lovely compliment and said it sounded almost um improvised that's yeah. kind of what we wanted yeah. and, and as well as like you know there's a lot of South London slang in our film like that's really important to keep up to date with the slang like slang's changing every day slang's <laughs> changing as we're speaking right now yeah. so as we're you know drafting you know no one says slang anymore. No one says slang anymore? No, no. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What do they call it? Oh, God. Am I going to get cancelled for this? No. But, like, we, you know, we started writing this. My friend sent me a, a message this morning that um, we sent him the first draft five years ago. Right. Slang changed in five years, man. So, yeah. like, I was a big part of the drafting process as well. Tom and I, like, updating different bits and making sure that, you know, when the film comes out, people aren't like, what? No one says that? Yeah. You know, so it's important. And also, one thing that we discussed a lot is our pet peeve in things where if you're watching a film and there's an ensemble and you're told that they're best friends who have known each other for years and years and years and you can tell that they met a week ago in a casting call I think that is especially hard if you're watching a rom-com and you can tell that these two actors have only met recently and don't have any dynamic and don't have any relationship or attraction and of course that is the case people can't spend a year together before they're in a film so it's our job to make sure that their characters feel have that sort of ease and intimacy mm. yes, it's written exactly. in it's feel, literally written into it and yeah. feel like real people and feel like they're sparking off each other and feel like they speak like fully formed human beings and then the actors come on and make it even better and amplify all that stuff you've you've kind of jumped into sort of Hostile territory with the rom-com because it's tough to do it well. It looks easy. And also it's one of those things like comedy or pure comedy. It's very difficult to do it, but everyone thinks it's easy to do it somehow, perhaps. You know, punters, you know, person in, you know, row 13D will kind of go, okay, you know, it's got a lot of kind of hoops it has to jump through to sort of satisfy an audience, I suppose. So tell us how you, what's the special source? I mean, is it, do you riff on stuff? Are there, do you, is this overheard on the bus stuff? Do you have a huge, do you each have a huge notebook of kind of, 
accidental aphorisms that you know your, your family and friends have given you? How, uh, did, how what's the kind of meat and potatoes I at mean, the beginning of it? Tom has some amazing anecdotes that. He... When I said meat and potatoes, I was referring to your lunch. Oh, Don't no, get sleepy. No, no, no. Oh, my God, that's enough. No. Uh, and, um, yeah. <laughs> but Tom, uh, he brought some amazing anecdotes to the film, which are very much in the film. And I won't name them because they're probably from, you know, people that could be listening. Well, you about to do that thing where you like, and Tom's a great singer, go. Yeah, no, 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 because no, you have to see it. But there's, there's lots of things that we've gathered. You know, like writing is essentially, my mum always says, don't tell Nathan anything. He'll put it in the script. And I will. And I'll get paid off it, goddammit. So be careful what you tell me. But there's definitely, I would say, we, we gather loads of little bits from, you know, people in life that we meet. And also, you're right, we, when we decided that we wanted to write a rom-com, it was as much because we love rom-coms, uh, but it was also a challenge because people have seen these films and it's a strange balance where you need to feel new and you need to feel like you're doing something fresh with the genre, but also... People want what they went in for. They want some of those tropes. You need to yeah. sort of hit, right? I suppose. And, and, yeah. and sometimes people will point those out and say, "Oh, it, it." Sometimes it falls into familiar territory. But if you don't put those things mm. in, then you're not giving people that that endorphin rush that they mm -hmm. expect from these films. So it is a balancing act yeah. that we were very aware of as we went in. Like another sort of big element early doors was that I I definitely wanted to create a, a rom com where I could exist. Quite often in rom coms, the amazing ones, the not so good ones, it's a sort of life where I haven't seen myself, I haven't seen my social group, and I really wanted to show the sort of specific London that I live in with the little bougie cocktails. Yeah. We might have a little bougie cocktail, then we might rock up to a playground, and we will one hundred percent be getting the free booze at the art gallery, and then leaving <laughs> and not buying anything. That is the sort of London we. No, you know. no one's too good for that. Yeah, listen, that's it. <laughs> if it's on, I'm like, mm, I love it, I love it, I cannot afford it. <laughs> um, so it was a sort of like just bringing all those little moments and trying to make it as specific to the sort of you know life we've lived and I'm really just putting a massive spotlight on Black Joy, man. Like just a joyous film where you can feel safe and like fall in love. I think. Oh, it's you put it beautifully. And tell us about that because it's been written about a lot and it's one of those it's one of those funny things from a critical perspective that people want to extend joy towards it as well, I suppose, which is a nice thing. But I've noticed that some critical reactions to it quite don't quite know how to write about it. And I don't know, I don't know what, what we think about that in this room, but do you know what I mean? I mean, there is a kind of thing where people perhaps feel that it's a nice... Because it's romantic, because it's believable, because it's got great music in it, because it's funny, um, and because it's largely positive, they can kind of get on board with it, I suppose. Yeah. And I wanted to ask, you know, in terms of issues, and Peckham is a place that's, as you say, there's bougie cocktails, Next to Morley's, next to it's all it's all a big big mashup. Is a rom com the place to have a conversation about, for example, gentrification and things like that, or did you not want to touch those those questions? That's a really good question because I'm not saying it's not a very real picture. Yeah, yeah. But there's things that you don't necessarily want to kick the tires on. Yeah, and I think I mean Tom obviously jump in, but like for me, I, I, when I when we're making this movie, we're we're not trying to in like uh, conversations about gentrification. This is a love story. Yeah. This is about joy. This is uh, rain painting the most beautiful, magical depiction of Peckham, where she grew up. You know where she's from. If people want to have those conversations alongside what we're doing great, bring it on, you know. Everyone's going to watch it and have a different take on it. And yeah. I think that's kind of the importance of, you know, the film, I think. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And it's kind of feels like a dirt. It wasn't then, didn't you? I thought he was going to. Yeah, I disagree. He's gone on this. I've got a think piece coming out this weekend, actually. (laughs) Yeah. You've done too many think pieces about me. (laughs) Um, But no, it's sort of a dirty word, but our main thing going into this was we wanted to entertain people. Mm. And and there are plenty of films that we love Mm. that are kind of a bit more po-faced and a bit more serious and talking about very important issues and they obviously have their place as well but we wanted to write a we kept calling it a a party film Mm. we wanted to write one of those films that was so important to us when we were 16 17 18 years old that you would put on when you were feeling sad to cheer you up or you'd put on before you were going on a night out to get you into the mood or when you came back from the pub because you couldn't be bothered to watch something you didn't know and just one of those kind of warm hugs where... I love that idea. Mm. Where you know the lines and you love the characters like they're your mates. That's what we set out to do and we set it in a place that we know really well mm. and a place that we... near where we both were born and grew up and, and of course there's... I, I understand why certain conversations have started, but we couldn't avoid setting yeah. it somewhere that we re, that we know incredibly well, just in case there was going to be those conversations. So here's what it is, I think. Yeah, and also, like, you know, one of my favourite uh, moments from this process so far was premiere night when we were in Peckham Plex yeah. and we're watching it with loads of the community from Peckham and there's a massive pink carpet in Peckham and a build, big billboard and you can see the community are watching the film and knowing this is this is their home. Like, and I, I felt really proud of that. I actually got emotional. <laughs> I got emotional because yeah, yeah. I was like, oh man, like, I feel like this is what we really wanted to do and obviously everyone's unique opinion matters and counts but I, I feel like, I feel proud that we set out to achieve hopefully what we Yeah, do. you haven't made you haven't tried to make a documentary about no, plight. No, you've made a no. you've made a romantic yeah. comedy <laughs> yeah, yeah, set in a particular it. area of the of London. And celebrating that which, area as yeah, well and celebrating yeah. the people in that area and you can't go well we shouldn't celebrate an area that we love and the people who live there just in case X happens. Yeah. Just, no, like, what no a strange indeed. way yeah. to live. And I love the idea, Tom, of these kind of, you know, party movies, the kind of thing that you put on, like you put on an album before you go out mm. and you kind of get into the vibe and everyone's quoting the lines to each other on the way out the door and all the rest of it. And this film absolutely inhabits that sort oh, of space, that sort of blank space. <laughs> and what are the sacred texts for you of, of rom-coms? Because okay. it's something that, as I say, it's so tough to do well. Yes. I've got a new one, though. What's the syllabus? There's one new one that's like, just really just impacted my heart. It's not like super new, but Intergalactic Kid Cudi's animation on Netflix. It is beautiful love story with the sickest soundtrack you've ever heard. And it's unbelievably cool. The dialogue's beautiful. It just, it's one of those films where I watched it, I just fell in love. I like, in love. There's obviously loads of classics that I love, but that one recently was just like, nice. oh wow, beautiful. Beautiful. I'll go classic. When Harry Met Sally yeah. is an important one. And also, an important one to this, the kind of banter and the fact that they, when they first meet, they're not sure that they're perfect for each other and all that kind of stuff. I just, I think that is the standout classic mm-hmm. for me. Say Anything is a film that I really love, an old John Cusack mm-hmm. film that has, for me, a very believable, that they don't seem destined for each other at the beginning, but they learn to be incredibly fond of each other. And then as far as non-rom-com, but those party films that we were talking about, those films that kind of sum up a, a time in your life, for me, House Party is yeah. a film that I loved, loved when I was <laughs> yeah. little and just could put you in exactly the right kind of mood and cheer you up and remind you why you're going to this bar or, or this this party, wherever you're going. Uh, Dazed and Confused mm. was a huge one for me. And again, it's not a rom-com, but as far as 
dialogue is concerned and characters feeling real and the way that conversations unfold feeling natural um and like you were saying it almost feels like they got together in a parking lot or a forest and ad-libbed that entire thing Mm. but i bet it was incredibly intricately Mm. scripted they're the kind of films that we had in mind and 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 the nicest thing is another film that we talked about a lot as we're going into it as far as the our dream color palette or uh, our dream kind of right up until the end the kind of vibe that you get from learning about a neighborhood was do the right thing Mm -hmm. spike lee and we talked about do the right thing before sunrise and uh sorry to bother you yeah and when we met rain the director she came with a um like a a pitch deck deck, thank you like like a, a a pitch deck meets a mood board yeah. with kind of the colours and textures and photos from other films that she felt kind of inspired her. And those three things were all in the pitch yeah, deck without yeah. us having to prompt and we were like, we've met the person. It felt magic. We were like, yeah, oh yeah. my God, she gets it too. Yeah, that's so interesting. The do the right thing. The colours in that are so crazy. So, yeah. so zinging. And and the sense of community, in and that also film the as heat, well. the New York yeah. heat, yeah. that crazy heat that you get, and you kind of get that in Rye Lane as well. You yeah. know that it kind of feels hot, it feels warm, it mm. feels you know that the romance is done with the colours as much as anything yes. else. And, well. and also, what we discovered from taking it to Sundance is that people who do not know where Peckham is could not point to it on a map still get all of the jokes mm-hmm. because there is that sense that they, they're they already translating in their head, well, I know a place like that and our version of the joke would be this. And, like, I've never been to Bed-Stuy, yeah. but I understand that do the right thing, you know, that street, and you, you start to put it into where you grew up. And and I think a similar thing hopefully happens with Riley. Yeah, Peckham is magical. It's one of those places. Like, do you know what I mean? And I think our movie does capture that with the blue cowboy. And I grew up in Shepherd's Bush, and... There's so many random weird little things that will just pop up on the street. So it was really lovely being able to showcase that as well. It's a love letter to the place as much as, and possibly to each other, right? It's a beautiful working relationship. I love you, Tom! Wow. (laughs) We'll we'll talk after this. No, of course. No, you're you're totally right. I think the only way to end it is um, Tom's an amazing singer, aren't you? (laughs) And that is all for this week. My thanks to Nathan Bryan, Tom Mellier, and and Rebecca Bryan, and Rye Lane, which we heartily recommend once again. Thank you very much. Now, Monocle on Culture is produced by Sophie Monaghan-Coombs and Steph Chung-Gu, and Steph also edits the show. We'll be back at the same time next week, but until then, from me, Robert Bounds, thanks for tuning in. Thank you.